Hello, everyone. I'm Ann Louise Gittleman for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. You know, I recently had the pleasure of being interviewed by Robin Openshaw, better known as the Green Smoothie Girl. Robin's a former psychotherapist at Brigham Young University and the author of 15 books on health and fitness, as well as the single mother of four. In this podcast, we talked about the subject of liver health, as well as the importance of bile. Now, no one else seems to be focusing on this very important topic, but I assure you, bile is beautiful, bile is brilliant, and bile is vital for your good health. So I want you to sit back, relax, and learn how to protect your hardworking liver and enhance your metabolism with some simple dietary changes. Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to the Vibe Show. Today, we are talking about liver health, and we're talking about good fats versus bad fats. And specifically, we're talking about metabolism and how to clean up your bile. Bile isn't a very uh, talked about subject out there. And I recently read a book by Anne Louise Gittleman, who is really a pioneer out there who's talking about things nobody else was. She's really been on the very forefront in nutrition for a long time, like decades. She's written 30 books on diet, detoxification, the environment and women's health. The Fat Flush Plan was a book I had of hers Um, a long time ago. And we recently connected on Facebook and I had heard that she was coming out with a new book and I wanted to read it and, and introduce her and her content to you. She is much loved out there as being a visionary, a health pioneer in holistic and integrative medicine. She is a Columbia University graduate She's been recognized as one of the top 10 nutritionists in the country by Self Magazine and received lots of other awards like that. And I do want to say that in reading her book, there were a few things that she talks about that I don't I don't think that the evidence points us to. For one, she's a fan of whey protein, so she'll recommend that in her book. And I think that is a highly processed food and very problematic and not even particularly usable protein. She also uh, advocates for more meat eating than I think the evidence recommends. And what's interesting, because I've been, interv- I've interviewed three people today on this day that I am recording these, and one of them was Dr. David Friedman. I very much enjoyed my interview with him as well. But I said, you have a chapter on, you know, pork, and you know Americans love pork, and you kind of go through all these uh, problems with it, and they're very, very serious problems. They start with the pig itself as an unclean food. And then at the end, you say, yeah, go ahead and eat pork, but do it this way. And, I, and I'm and i curious um, why you still say go ahead and eat pork. And I think that so many authors hold back from saying, just don't eat it. This is bad for you um, because they don't want to offend the population. People who are not plant-based don't want to hear that a plant-based diet is better for them. And so can't speak for Anne Louise, can't even speak for Dr. Friedman. But I think it's really interesting and it's something to just put in your back pocket to think about as you read news stories coming out constantly and you might read new books or hear opinions out there. Sometimes I think we don't tell the complete truth 
because we don't want to offend people. We want to tell them what they want to hear. I once heard an expert say that the reason the USRDA is so low in vegetables, fruits, uh, legumes, whole grains, greens, is that they don't want to hurt the American public's feelings. They want them, because they're at such a low point, to just reach a little bit higher rather than tell them what the actual standard should be. And whether that's true or not, I would like for us to have a high bar and really strive to find those recipes and find those ways to eat these foods that we know the healthiest populations of the earth eat and that we know that over 10,000 published studies uh, lead us to the knowledge that these are disease preventive longevity diet and really get a lot of them in our diet. And really the key to that is learning ways to use them. And so I've been introducing you to a lot of authors these days whose recipes all by themselves, if all you do is use five of the recipes in those books, you're winning. You know, we don't actually need a ton of recipes in our arsenal for for a whole foods diet to work. Most American families only make 10 main dishes and they've been recycling those for years and years and years and sometimes decades. And so getting five or 10 new recipes in your arsenal that are delicious, that your family likes and that are ways to eat whole foods is, is really, that's the battle right there. And once you've got that, you've got it nailed. So, and being willing to cook too, just being willing to put a little bit of kitchen time in, finding the easy recipes, that's, that's part of the battle too. So the other thing I really don't entirely agree with Anne Louise Gittleman on is that she um, believes Dr. Stephen Gundry's theory that legumes are bad for us and that all legumes and grains should be stricken from the diet because they contain lectins. I do want to point out that virtually every whole food on the planet contains lectins and that every single one of the blue zones eats a significant amount of grains and legumes. Some of them eat mostly legumes. And so while I don't believe that that is good advice, I believe that 98% of what Anne Louise is saying in her book is really cutting edge, really helpful. You'll get good recipes for it. But I do want to put those qualifiers out there. And I shared with her that I would put this little caveat in there in, in this introduction. So as with most things, as with most of the people that I interview, including Dr. McDougall, he's been around for 50 years and he's very committed to the idea that a starchy diet is the best diet. And I, he's very much a plant-based advocate. I don't entirely agree with him that 90% of our food should be the starches like rice, beans, legumes, whole grains. I think that those are all part of a healthy diet. I think the evidence supports that. But I think that the non-starchy vegetables should make a bigger appearance. I think that that there's a lot of evidence that way. So these are minor quibbles over the doctrines and dogmas and, and findings of many of these clinicians and researchers whose work I think is really powerful. And so I really am pleased to bring you the work of, of Anne Louise Gittleman because I think it's very strong. Welcome Anne Louise Gittleman to The Vibe Show. Hi, Robin. Lovely to be with you. Well, I've been following you on Facebook or vice versa or whatever for quite a while now, and I consider you to be one of the icons out there who's been talking about issues in wellness and nutrition that others aren't talking about, and you kind of discover links before before everybody else. And I remember coming out of the 80s. I'm old enough to have lived through the 80s low-fat era, and you were the first one I remember who was saying, hey, everyone, fats are important. This low fat era is not helping us. This is not a healthy diet. 
Um, tell us a little bit about that book before we jump into the one that we're really going to dive deep into today. Well, yes, way back in the day, Robin, and this was the 1980s, I was the nutrition director for Nathan Pritikin, who was the harbinger of the low fat high complex carbohydrate diet. And I saw firsthand some of the pros and the cons of being on a diet that eliminated all types of fat. So I then wrote my first book, which was called Beyond Pritikin, which added back the fats, the right fats, the essential fats to the diet, because I found that certain seeds, and nuts and even avocados in those days were very helpful in making people's moods better and allowing them to lose weight, have better skin and better immunity. So it was diet heresy in those days, quite frankly. And since then, I've been creating diet heresy ever since. <laughs> well, and now we have people taking what was a good thing of fats are really good for us to let's eat mostly fats and not eat any carbohydrates. How do you feel about that? I think, I think it is going in the exact wrong direction because carbohydrates are just as important as fats. I feel that carbohydrates are part of a balanced diet, whether it's your leafy greens, whether it's a certain amount of legumes in the diet, or even your starchy vegetables. But I'm definitely not a, a no-to-low-carb individual. Well, I'm glad to hear a voice of reason for a nutritionist who's been out there for a really long time. I've been reading your book, which we're talking about today. It's called Radical Metabolism, a power, mm. powerful new plan to blast fat and reignite your energy in just 21 days. And I was fascinated by it. I learned a lot of things in it. And some of the things that you're talking about, I think, again, you're going to be the one starting a trend to talking about, for instance bile. And I was telling you before we recorded that in the Green Smoothie Girl Detox, we do, so, we do some protocols at the end to really increase the quality and quantity of bile and flush the, the calcifications, the crystalline structures, the stones from thousands of bile ducts in the gallbladder and the liver. And I think you were early on talking about that because you're, I think your best-selling book to this point is the fat flush plan, which feel free to talk about that. But I wanted you to just talk a little bit about bile. Why does it matter? And why is this, as you, as you said, sort of unsexy topic, really, really important for people to learn about? Well, I think it's just as important as probiotics, Robin. We were talking offline a little bit about the importance of bile and making it sexy once again. So maybe between the two of us, we'll make this a very sexy topic. I think we all need free-flowing bile in our bodies because it helps to break down fats, number one. Number two, it helps to flush toxins. It's actually a form of liver detox. And number three, which is not as well known, but what that I mentioned in radical metabolism, it helps to rev thyroid function so we can all slim down without struggling as much as we are. So it's a very important aspect to bring back into our, our awareness, which is the reason that I created radical metabolism in the first place. I want you to eat the foods that will enable your body to make proper bile. And if you don't have a gallbladder, I'd like us to eat even more of those foods so that sluggish bile will not be a problem in terms of slowing down your thyroid. So talk about how much bile a healthy person produces and what kind of quality it is and uh, what, what the average person out there eating the standard American diet is actually getting from their bile production and what kind of functions it has in the body. Well, we're, promote, we're producing, if we're healthy, at least a quart of this very uh, greenish little liquid. It's kind of like liquid gold that is stored in the gallbladder. And what we're 
hoping to have is very free-flowing bile, which is not sludging up so that you're making these crystalline structures. You want free-flowing bile, which is thin, which is flowing properly. It's not getting stuck in the bile ducts. And that's why it's so important to be eating certain foods that will actually thin your bile. It's one of the reasons that in all of my programs, Robin, I talk about the importance of fresh lemon juice in the morning because it actually thins the bile, as well as foods like dandelion root tea, which is a wonderful bile thinner. So in my book, it's very important to thin the bile so it is not affecting any other digestive function. And I think it's important to also make sure that if you do not have a gallbladder, that you are supplementing properly with the proper kinds of bitters or certain types of bile salts or foods, so that when you're eating fatty foods, you're digesting them, number one, and you're getting all of the benefit from the fat-soluble vitamins. What concerns me greatly in this day and age is that a lot of us are not well, we're eating the right kinds of fats, hopefully, if, they, if people read radical metabolism, but we're not breaking them down properly. So there's a deficiency of vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. And I feel that this is exceedingly important so that if we're going to be eating properly, all of those fat-soluble vitamins will be in circulation and our immunity will be improved. So you've written a previous New York Times bestseller, and it's still selling like crazy. Why did you focus on this topic? Why did you choose to write this book? Because I felt that there are a lot of people out there, and dare I say, that are on the keto plan, that are on the, the paleo plan. They're eating all of these very toxic fats. They may be losing weight, but they're becoming sicker. So I felt it was time to get out there with a diet that talks about the right kind of fats so that individuals would learn the difference between a saturated fat, the difference between an essential fatty acid, and what that does to the mitochondria as well as the cell membrane. So because I've been leading the, the, the pack, so to speak, on getting fat back in the diet, it was time to really change the dietary landscape. I'm very concerned about people that are on these all-fat diets, Robin. Yeah, I'm really concerned about it, too. And the way we connected is kind of funny. You probably don't know this, but um, I saw that you had shared a post I did on my personal page um, that was just some facts about the ketogenic diet that deeply concerns me and... Um, you shared it, and I was like, "Hey, I know her. She's like the like grandma of." <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably that's true. <laughs> and so I reached. I had my assistant reach out to you to ask you to be on the podcast. I think at the same time, I had heard that you were coming out with a new book. So, what's different about this book? What's different is we really focus on certain fats, number one, the omega-6 fatty acids, rather than the omega-3s, which I have found to be very underplayed and underrecognized, very important for the structural membrane of the cell, very important for the mitochondria. And also, bile's impact, we're getting back to bile, beautiful bile. Bile's impact on the thyroid, for me, is a real concern since over, I'd say, eight out of 10 women over a certain age to me suffer from insufficient or poor quality bile. And I'm finding that as we age, everyday toxins are building up in the bile or they're building up in the body and then they're becoming entrapped in bile which makes this fluid, this wonderful liquid gold, very thick and unable to flow freely. 
And what complicates matters is that there's a lot of excess estrogen out there from contraceptives to food additives, which is raising cholesterol levels in the bile and it's making the digestive fluid even thicker and more prone to becoming congested. So I'm concerned about thick, gunky bile. I'm concerned about the fact that women have so many hormone problems that they're not losing weight the way they think they should, and that we're not detoxing properly because nobody has recognized the importance of bile in the detox function. So I'm here to bring bile back. <laughs> I love it. So you were talking about the importance of omega-6s, which is really interesting because I feel like the last 20 years, we've been telling people, hey, conventionally raised eggs have way too much omega-6 and not enough omega-3. And we've been really focused on helping people get more and better quality sources of omega-3s because the ratio was off. And probably because we have so much fried food in the standard American diet and and vegetable oil is really, really predominant in in omega-6. And you're probably going to want to say something about what what you think the quality is of vegetable oil. But talk a little bit about that because I think you're out there sounding the alarm about, hey, let's don't neglect omega-6 when we've been freaking out about getting too much of it for a long time. Well, I'm concerned because the ratio based on all the research that I've done over these decades, and as you say, I'm the kind of the grandmother here of, of all of this, seems to point to a ratio of four to one in favor of omega-6s. Now, not all omega-6s are created equal. So we're not talking about the commercially processed chemicalized oils that are out there, the freaky fats that are from uh, your soybean oil or from your corn oil or your sunflower seed oil. We're talking about the basic linoleic acid that you find in sources like hemp seed oil, that you're finding in sesame seed oil, in a unaltered safflower seed oil. And we're talking about them because it's so important for the maintenance of the cell membrane structure. It enhances the permeability of the membranes. It's also important for the prevention of toxins from entering the cell. And it's important because it is the preferred fuel for the mitochondria, which are those little energy machines and energy uh, energetic engines that are in every cell of the body. So I say bring back the omega-6s. If you've got a concern about eczema or psoriasis or these funny skin rashes, then most likely you're deficient in omega-6. And when I run my tests with my people and do DNA testing, which I do with many of my private patients, we're finding a dramatic deficiency in the omega-6 linoleic acid, which used to be mentioned in all the nutrition books way back in the 60s. Very interesting. Well, earlier today, I interviewed uh, Dr. John McDougall, and you might be aware, since you've been around for a long time, and so is he, he's, uh, he just hates oils, and he says the fat, you wear, the fat you eat is the fat you wear, and he says the body doesn't have use for refined oils, and when you take the food itself out of the oil, uh, you've lost a lot of the beneficial properties. It's kind of anti-oil, and so uh, what evidence do you have that you could share with us about what we should use oils for, which kinds. You, you introduced me to in the book a few types of oils I've never used that I thought I would experiment with a little bit. But talk about your take on oils that's different than that. 
Well, it's diametrically opposed. God bless him. I know John McDougall because John McDougall was uh, almost a contemporary of, of, Dr. of Nathan Pritikin, who actually wasn't a doctor but should have been. So I'm a believer that the right kind of oils are very important and they're skinny fats and they're fattening fats. And we're talking about essential fatty acids that are totally essential for the cell on a minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. It's the precursor of the prostaglandins that won the Nobel Prize way back in the 80s. So I'm talking specifically about these omega-6s that are found natively in nuts, in seeds. They're found in safflower oil, in sesame seeds, in hemp seed oil, which is one of the centerpieces of my new program, which is not only a high source of linoleic acid, but of GLA. So very important in terms of of sending off your brown fat into the stratosphere so that you can actually lose weight without doing very much of anything but simply consuming the oil. So I would say that certain of these oils, including one called pine nut oil, very, very healing for the gut, for those that have problems with GERD or stiff joints in the morning or any kind of skin issues. And again, what I'll say is when you're thinking of skin, think of omega-6s. And a lot of the research that we talk about is from Patricia Kane and her husband, Dr. Edward Kane. We talk about the research that has been done for, for years, decades now, on the importance of evening primrose oil, borage oil, as well as black currant seed oil. So my sense is that if you do any testing, as so many of us do in the functional integrative medicine world, and you test all of your, your omegas, you'll find that many people have gotten on the omega-3 bandwagon, whether they're using flax or whether they're using the super seeds now, or even camilla oil, camonilla oil. But what we're still deficient in is the good omega-6s. And that's where you look for the good omega-6s in your your wonderful oils like the hemp seed oil that I talk about and pine nut oil, which can heal the digestive tract from your mouth to your butt. So I'm telling you, these oils have a lot of claim to fame and you just need a small, small amount, Robin, to have a major difference in your immunity as well as your skin and your weight loss efforts. Uh, moving on to another subject in your book that I thought was very interesting because I was reading your book when I was in Switzerland and I take my followers every summer to a clinic in Switzerland where they do biological medicine, the European counterpart of functional medicine. And, um, and the, the MDs there put all of the people I bring through a liver detox protocol. And every, uh, every like 15, 30 minutes before your each meal, they have you put a tincture of bitters into your water and drink it um, to stimulate bile production. And so I happened to be doing that while I was reading about how important bitters are. Will you talk about that? Because one of the one of the major things that you recommend in your in your sort of metabolism reboot and helping people get their bile healthier. Bitters are better. So if we can all remember that, that'll be the new mantra as we go forth into 2018. Bitters are better. It stimulates the release of bile, as you so rightly suggest, and as your Switzerland clinic knows. Very important for the production of pepsin and pancreatic enzymes. And bitters also increase the tone of one of your important digestive sphincters. So the reality is, is that in our day and time, we've lost our taste for bitters. 
you know, it used to be part of the dinner table where you may have something like horseradish or some kind of bitter green to stimulate the appetite. But most of us in this day and time don't recognize the importance of bitters, nor do we take them on a regular basis. So whether you're plant-based or whether you're eating those four-legged creatures, we could all benefit from a little bit more of the bitters in our breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. I have whole lists of the bitter foods that I think everybody should be looking at on their dinner plate, whether it's from vegetables and fruits, herbs and spices, as well as do-it-yourself bitters that you can take on a daily basis. I love the herbal bitters, by the way, from dandelion and fennel and gentian root and ginger. It's a whole different world of digestion, assimilation, and exceedingly important for those that do not have a gallbladder. So my book, not only are we bringing bile back, but we're bringing bitters back because bitters are truly better. Okay, and one thing that we were curious about, and I could not provide an answer to our detoxers in the Swiss Alps, was, um, you know, they were supposed to drink apple juice for the malic acid to break down stones before they did the, the oil flush at the end. And they were taking that apple juice that they're supposed to be drinking every day and they were pouring it into their bitter tea that they're supposed to drink all day. And I said, well, I'm going to be interviewing Anne Louise Gittleman and she is talking a lot in this book that I'm reading about bitters. I'm going to ask her if you can do that because I don't know if the bile stimulation starts with the taste of it with your salivary glands in your mouth or can we mix the two together? And and think chocolate, because I was glad to see that you mentioned dark chocolate as being a bitter, because everyone will be excited about that, who likes chocolate, which is, you know, most people. But, you know, most people, the form of chocolate they're eating, it doesn't actually taste bitter. So does it have to taste bitter for it to have the desired effect in the digestive system? Yes, it has to taste bitter. There are actually bitter receptors on the back of the tongue. So combining the apple juice with the bitters is not the best of ideas. Okay, so when we get chocolate that, yeah, there's some dark chocolate in it, but lots of sugar and, you know, whatever is in it, you know, you can get anything from a Snickers bar to a really high quality 70% cacao, you know, fair traded organic chocolate. Um that's not necessarily going to get it. By the way, one of our one of our attendees at the Swiss clinic was a medical doctor who she had bought 100% cacao. And I was amazed. I don't think I've ever had 100% cacao. So there's no sugars in it. There was no, no like extra fats in it to, you know, make it creamy. And I was amazed. It was delicious. We put it under our tongue and let it melt under our tongue. So just a little tip for everyone that chocolate can be one of your bitters. It can melt under your tongue. And Anne Louise also recommends you know, having a little bit of like arugula or some, there's lots of different bitter greens, turnip greens, mustard greens. So that was really fun information. It's very good information and it's good for everybody, whatever your dietary predilection. But the other thing that I mentioned in the book is the importance of a particular bitter, which is watercress. We make a watercress soup in our four day cleanse, which is not only a bitter that we're making not enough use out of it in this day and age, but it's also important as a cancer fighter and a detoxification agent. So you're right about those bitter greens. I love the bitter greens like the endive and the dandelion, the radicchio, or rocket, the arugula, and also grapefruit. You know, it's really interesting to me to note that many years ago, people were on the grapefruit diet. And one of the reasons that grapefruit is so important in terms of helping to lose weight is because it contains a phytochemical that's actually a bitter. 
So you'll find bitter fruits as well as bitter vegetables and leafy greens and herbs and spices. It's a wonderful new taste taste environment that we have yet to explore. And it's one of the reasons that I think some of our recipes are going to be favorites, at least I hope so, with people that don't have good digestion, detoxification, or issues with their hormones. Yeah, that was that was really interesting to me. Um, I'm interested in more of the myths that you could explore with our readers here about uh, what is commonly believed out there that you kind of bust these myths in the book. Well, one of them, of course, is that omega-6s are always bad and you need just omega-3s in the diet. That's one of them. And then the other one that we've kind of touched upon, you and I, Robin, is the uh, the situation of the gallbladder, that the gallbladder is indeed a throwaway organ, and it is not. You're losing your timing of bile if you don't have a gallbladder, so you've got to make substitutions according to what I tell you to do in the, with the bitters in the book. Uh, a third that I'll reveal is the importance of cooking utensils. I believe it's just as important to know what you're cooking in as to what you're cooking. And that's where we throw away the myth of how important it is to use cast iron. I'm not, that's, that's one of the myths that we throw out the window because cast iron has a certain type of iron that can actually accumulate in the system. And it's one of the reasons that I'm now looking at plant-based diets much more seriously because people that are the longest lived have lower levels of stored iron in their body. And those that eat a lot of meat are stockpiling iron like crazy. And I'm just wondering if this onslaught that we're seeing of degenerative diseases from Alzheimer's to cancer to all kinds of autoimmune illnesses may not just be the result of exceedingly high levels of iron that are coming from all the meat-based diets that are so important in the forefront today. Okay, so tell us what's for breakfast on the Radical Metabolism Plan. We've got a blaster. We blast your energy with an energy blaster. And that is a drink that we make with a bitter. And one of the, the bitters that we use is a particular kind of coffee that I did a lot of research with because coffee is a bitter. So it's an organic mold-free coffee, the highest in antioxidants in the world from what I understand. And that serves as a basis for the coffee. You can use a protein powder of your choice with that, a little bit of coconut milk, maybe a little bit of stevia or for sweetening and voila. You've got our drink in the morning. And I also include some citrus in there. We call it our citrus blaster. And that is that we're taking the peels of organic, sometimes it can be lemons, organic tangerines, organic oranges, and we're drying them to get all of the bioflavonoids and bitters in your drink. So it's a better bitter citrus blaster first thing in the morning. Yeah, I was reading about your coffee plus carnitine and choline uh, formula, and you cite some research about how it's just super crazy for weight loss. So tell us a little bit about that, because I had not heard that one before, and I think a lot of my audience would be super excited to learn a little hack for for weight loss, because coffee is, you know, you can find people who say who are saying it's terrible for you, it's really acidic. You can find lots and lots of published evidence that doesn't seem to have vested interest behind the paying for the study that says, no, actually coffee has quite a few benefits. So if you're a coffee drinker, adding amino acids, carnitine and choline to it, tell us about that. 
I think it's very important to understand I was never a coffee drinker until I did research about the importance of bitters and learned that coffee has been shown to reduce levels of triglycerides by nearly 60%. It slashes the risk of type 2 diabetes by over 50% and also heart disease by 50%. But what was really interesting to me uh, for my book, literally and figuratively, is that there is some real cutting-edge science which has shown that there's a particular compound in coffee that increases fat burn by up to 50%. It was a study in the British Journal of Nutrition. And there's a particular antioxidant in coffee, which is chlorogenic acid, that's especially beneficial it's beneficial for weight loss. And not only that, but if you get coffee that's grown in very high altitudes with extreme temperatures, maybe beans from Colombia or Mexico, you get 10 times more chlorogenic acids than the standard you know, cup of joe that you get on the street. So I'm excited about it. Coffee is also a source of these polyphenols. It's highly deficient in the diet. Uh, the company that I talk about in the book is now coming out with a decaf coffee. So I think there's something to be said for coffee. And you know, if you don't like it taken in one way, you can always use it as a coffee enema as far as I'm concerned. Yes, my audience, many of them are very familiar with the coffee enema. And in fact, I'm doing our detox with my boyfriend right now. And he just came over here and did his first coffee enema today. Very proud of him. Now I'm talking my uh, 20 year old daughter into doing it. And so, you know, then you're not getting the acids through the GI tract and you're just getting the benefits to your liver and your gallbladder. So very oh, it's a, it's a lifesaver, but this is the best coffee to use because it's mold free, high in antioxidants, and it's not as acidic. It's actually got a very mild flavor. Well, that little tip is a sidebar, everyone, on page 138 and 139 of Anne Louise's new book, Radical Metabolism, which, by the way, is just barely coming out. So we'll see. Maybe she'll get another New York Times bestseller out of this. They know they like people on the New York Times list who've been there before. So I'm rooting for you. Well, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. So where can folks get the book and where can they connect with you for a deeper dive into everything you have to teach? Well, let's connect at RadicalMetabolism.com because if anybody orders or pre-orders the book, whenever they hear your wonderful podcast, they'll get some three free gifts that talks about cr crushing cravings as well as the importance of all the new coffee research. And they'll also get 25 recipes as well as a 30% coupon, 30% off coupon for this particular type of coffee that I think is so wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the great work that you're doing in the world. I get a very strong sense in your book that you care a lot about the health and wellness of those who follow you. And it's really conversational and easy read. I was very drawn into it and, and actually finished the book. It's, it's a very, very substantive book. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for being on the Vibe Show today. My pleasure. And thank you for your wonderful work. Just continue fighting the good fight, Robin.